Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. My next guest is Jason Reagan. He is an MYP coordinator and MS curriculum coach who has been in education for 25 years, 19 of which in IB schools. The majority of his career has been overseas in international schools. And this international experience has sparked his excitement in curriculum implementation and leadership. With a passion for curriculum, it's no surprise that his ultimate goal is to further his experience in curriculum and instructional development within international schools. Since 2008, Jason has also been a trainer of IB educators and has participated in the IB Educator Network sponsored events worldwide. He conducts IB workshops, consults for candidate MYP schools, and serves as a visiting team member and leader for IB school visits. To date, he's participated in over 90 IB-related events in over 15 countries. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat today. Yeah, so that's uh, pretty impressive, all those <laughs> IB events. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've um, I've been trained in the International Baccalaureate Program yeah. and, and taught both IB and MYP, but you know, I did a few conferences and that was it. So, mm-hmm. you know, really working <laughs> with world schools, you were able right. to, um, you know, participate in a lot of that and visit these candidate schools. So that's really cool. Um, yeah. Well, tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and managed to call out. Uh, thank you so much again for having me. Um, <clears throat> so as you mentioned, the bulk of my experience has been in international schools, um, which uh has its own set of challenges and its mm-hmm. uniqueness. I would say when I think about crawling out of the trenches in a situation, um, it actually makes me think about when I was working in public schools in the United States. Um, and I was in a middle school where I had a very, very large classes. I taught uh, tech ed or technology education um, classes. And so I had everybody, all the students from every kind of language background or every kind of neurodiverse um, need or, or gift, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess you could say. And what I was finding was that while students really enjoyed the class, there were times that the, the writing was quite heavy or the evidence gathering was heavy. And I found that when students were challenged with that, they often um, then push their energy somewhere else, whether it was to not behave with the classroom norms or or whatnot. And so what I decided to do at that point was to kind of shift my my focus. Mm-hmm. And with the evidence gathering, I started to allow, this was prior to students, lots of them having their own devices and whatnot. I allowed them to begin to gather evidence in non-traditional ways at the time. Um, so in recording their own voice or in creating a skit or um, video, you know, talking to them. Sounds crazy now, but this was mm-hmm. many years ago. And I allowed them to uh, collect the evidence the way that they felt most comfortable doing. And it was amazing to see the difference in their response. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was really lucky that in that time it worked. <laughs> and so I kind of climbed out of a situation where I had a crowded, a crowded classroom with uh, lots of kids who really wanted to learn. Um, and so I, 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 
changed my approach so that I could meet as many of them as possible um, while still keeping the integrity of what I was trying to do. So that would have been one of my times when I pulled myself out of the trench. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was uh, something that you just kind of came up with uh, on your own was, or that was that something you had attended a PD? It was, no, actually it was just kind of trial and error talking mm -hmm. to more experienced people in my, in my school who I, mm -hmm. I, I really admired and respected. Um, we, I found that um, we, we really kind of bonded over this idea of career and technical education in the group that I was in. And so I, I went to many of them who I noticed had a lot of really positive um, output in their classroom. And I said, mm -hmm. what is that you're doing? And they're like, we're just allowing students to kind of respond the way that they feel most comfortable responding. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And so sometimes it was just an interview with a student because they just felt comfortable giving the information orally or whatnot. So that's, that's where I wasn't, I don't, I didn't create that idea. I just yeah. was able to follow through, through listening to people who were much more experienced than I was at the time um, and to learn from them on how to do or not do things. So it was, it was quite good to, to learn from them. And I still, employ that kind of mindset today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, I did something very similar when I was teaching French in terms of using an app, um, which was more just a website at the time um, called VoiceThread, right? And you can use that mm, in yeah. many subjects, right? Yeah. Where they can uh, record uh, bits and pieces and it can be put together mm. and they can respond to questions. So you know, and then I had the option where students were able to call my Google voice number with responses mm -hmm. to homework as mm -hmm. well. So yeah, um, a lot of kids will just record on their phones now, obviously, but yeah, pre all the apps, um, pre there were still <laughs> ways to do it. <laughs> yeah, there were ways to do it. That's right. People were yeah. doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me about your teaching internationally, how long you've been living in China. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, you'd said you were in Korea before that as well. Yep. I was. Yeah. So um, it's a really interesting kind of origin story because mm -hmm. I didn't start out to work overseas. I was happy to put my 30 or 40 years in a local school system and and do my time. Uh, I don't mean it that way, but, you know, just sort of really set down roots and, and really be part of a community. Um, when I started my first teaching job, I was in a high school um, in um, in Atlanta, and the school was one that had um, gone through a lot of transition over a period of many years and was a school that was quite affluent at one point. And then it was a school that went through a transition to be a lot of free and reduced lunch um, kids and just a lot of trans transition families. And so what we um, I, I found was I really loved what I was doing, but I found the paperwork and, and all the extra things that I don't guess they tell you in teacher college that you're going to have to do just kind of overwhelm me uh, in a sense that I really wanted just to spend time being around students and just really spending time developing them and having a developmental kind of mindset mm -hmm. and a growth mindset with them. And I found I was just so inundated with having to turn in at the time we were still turning in you know, daily lesson plans on Monday for the whole week yeah. and those kinds of things. And um, while I was prepared to do it, I just found I was just working so much after school and and whatnot. And I thought there is no way I can sustain this over a multiple decade kind of career. I just yeah. can't do this. And so one day when I had particularly a hard day, 
um, I was driving home listening to the radio and I heard an ad uh, on NPR um, to come teach English in China. Um, mm -hmm. And at the time, China was going through a an, uh, an opening up, so to speak, of outside mm -hmm. Western influence. Um, mm -hmm. And so I called up the company and um, they said I was a good candidate to come and spend time for a year working mm -hmm. in a university with mm -hmm. students who at the time in the mid 90s, um, actually even before that, um, <clears throat> China just sort of decided that everyone was going to study English. Uh, the entire country. And so from kindergarten through university, people were studying English. But the problem was they were studying from um, they were just studying from books and from, from audio tapes and things like that, not from native speakers. And mm -hmm. so, you know, practice doesn't always make perfect. It makes permanent. And so, um, you know, practice doesn't always make perfect it makes permanent and so mm -hmm. what the government decided was to try and bring in um, educators who were native english speakers to to work in universities all the way down into kindergartens okay. to help to help students um, hear english from a native perspective and to practice speaking english and so um i signed up to work in a university just and because i had a teaching background and my background was in um, sort of an engineering, pre-engineering type thing. They put me in a university in Beijing um, mm -hmm. that there were a lot of um, engineering students, international business students, um, international trade students, things like that. And so I taught upperclassmen um, in mm -hmm. this university. Um, and I, I moved to Beijing in this in the summer of 1999, where there mm -hmm. were more bikes than cars. Uh, mm -hmm. So it was kind of crazy. Um, and things were very different than they are now. So I moved yeah. here. Um, absolutely loved my year um, abroad in China. I, of course, had student loans and whatnot. So I had to return home for a few years to sort of pay those down. And then I had the bug again to go back overseas. Um, and so mm -hmm. I wasn't aiming to go back to China. I was just aiming to go out of the U.S., but it just so happens I found another job in China, uh, this time uh, in the northeastern portion of the country. And mm -hmm. um, when I arrived, I was given a tour of this school I was working at, and I saw this uh, lady uh, in the staff room, and I was instantly smitten. Um, and that was who I ended up marrying. It's been mm -hmm. 20, almost 21 years. We've been <laughs> married, two kids. And so she's an English, it was an English teacher, but she's from China. And um, mm -hmm. so that was sort of where the connection started. But right after we got married, SARS hit and everybody mm -hmm. was freaking out about SARS. Yeah. It's kind of sounds funny now mm -hmm, but at the mm -hmm. time people were quarantined and all these things were happening so um all these international teachers left um mm -hmm. because they were really worried because a lot of them were older um a lot of them were doing this in their retirement years mm -hmm. uh because they were unattached to family and and that that kind of thing so they left because they were worried about getting the SARS thing and so openings were coming up very late in the recruitment cycle so my wife and I were lucky enough to get positions in international IB school. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where my IB journey started was in 2003 um, when we when we got that job. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were there. Um, it's in a city just just uh, west of Shanghai mm -hmm. called Suzhou. And, and, and Suzhou is one of those places that you see uh, pictures of where there's these canals that run through the middle of the town and houses kind of hanging off these docks, like mm -hmm. a little looks like an eastern 
version of Venice. Um, and mm -hmm. so there's all these like little boats and stuff. Now the whole city's not that way. It's just one an area, mm -hmm. but, but we were, we lived there for four years and um, decided we, we really wanted to um, start our family. Mm -hmm. And so we moved, um, we moved back to the United States to, to my home, my home state of Georgia. And uh, we, we lived there for a couple of years and, and had our first son. Um, and not long after he was born, I had an opportunity to go work in Bermuda. So I worked to an IB school in Bermuda uh, for a year, which was um, a really great experience for me um, to see another international form of education. Um, mm -hmm. And Bermuda is very similar to the UK or the US. And so mm -hmm. it was different to see an international school in that setting. Uh, it was great. I enjoyed my time there. Um, we then moved back to the U.S. for a few more years and had our second son. Um, and what was happening was they weren't speaking Chinese to my wife, even though they understood what she was saying to them. Um, and so we felt an immersive experience uh, for them language wise mm -hmm. would be much more beneficial, at least in their younger years. And so mm -hmm. uh, before my first son started kindergarten, we moved back to China. Mm -hmm. um, and we were here for four years. Um, <clears throat> they started schooling and, and whatnot. We then moved to Korea, where we lived mm -hmm. for five years. Um, mm -hmm. All of these were Ivy schools. Um, okay. And then um, last August, uh, we moved to move back to Beijing, mm -hmm. um, which puts us close to my wife's family. Uh, but also it kind of is full circle in my in my journey overseas as I started my international journey in Beijing. And now as I'm kind of on the tail end of my career, it's fun to be back in the place where everything kind of started. It's very different now, of course. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So bicycles have been replaced with Bentleys and <laughs> Mercedes and everything else. So it's just kind of fun to see how all the changes have happened. But um, so I'm currently in a school that's um, what's called a full continuum IB school. Mm -hmm. So we have um, children as young as three, um, mm -hmm. all the way up to to high school graduates, you know, 12th grade. Um, and all of our school is an IB program throughout. So mm -hmm. um, starting in kindergarten, students um, start with what's called the primary years program, which is a very inquiry-based, play-based very similar to Montessori, if people are familiar with that. Uh, it's it's it, They use these units of inquiry where everything's kind of transdisciplinary. Um, mm -hmm. And then when you move into middle school, you get into the area that I'm most comfortable with called the, the middle years program, which runs from sixth to 10th grade. And then we complete kind of the, the cycle with the diploma program, which is 11th and 12th grade, which is in the U.S. Most people call that, quote unquote, the IB um, even though that's it's it's describing a different thing, <laughs> it's it's describing the diploma program, but um, mm -hmm. it's often called that just because that's yeah. the program people know, right? So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, that's that's where I'm at. That's my story. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's a lot of back and forth, and you know, I I envy kind of the resilience of having yeah. you know kind of going back to the U.S. and then and then move to Korea and then just yeah. really getting that experience also for your kids and yeah. the, you know, the immersive language experience. Mm -hmm. And you said where you work now um, is mostly yeah. embassy students uh, yeah, from all over. Yeah, it's embassy students make up a lot of those students. Um, we have there's a lot of NGOs um, in China, uh, in Beijing, particularly. And so we have a lot of um, those kids um, or people um, like that run 
companies, their kids come to our school. Um, they opened a Universal Studio um, mm -hmm. in Beijing a few years ago. And so a lot of the park executives mm -hmm. or the people who run different things, their kids often come to our school or there's another school that's more American uh, mm -hmm. down the road. Uh, they go to one of those two schools. So uh -huh. um, there's 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 lots and lots of um, independent international schools in Beijing, but mm -hmm. many of them have different um, uh, kind of a different slant or a different flavor <laughs> depending yeah. on on what you want. Uh, so they everybody kind of there's some competition, but this podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. Everyone kind of has their niche, and that's where they, they kind of stick to. So, okay. um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you um, are the MYP coordinator, and mm -hmm. you told me that you coach the teachers in project-based learning. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, most teachers at your school... Um, are they bilingual in Chinese? Um, but they also have many other languages <laughs> yeah. spoken on campus. Yeah, I'll absolutely. Let me, I'll back up and say, yeah. uh, one of the, one of the rules, which is actually more common than you, you would think mm -hmm. is that, um, international schools with international students in it cannot mm -hmm. accept Chinese passport holders. Mm -hmm. Um, they have okay. to, there's other schools that are available. There's other private schools that students can go to, which are not close to international students, but the vice, it's not vice versa. So certain okay. schools have a, have like a, um, a charter or a constitution, uh, which does not allow them to take, um, okay. Chinese students. However, we have a lot of Chinese native students mm -hmm. who have lived, you know, grew up overseas and their parents have repatriated and there okay. are there are possibilities there for students to then attend our school, especially if they've been in a, another school that's not Chinese mm -hmm. in their early years. They can come to our school. So uh, our school is an English medium school, meaning mm -hmm. that everyone who teaches in the school speaks English. Mm -hmm. But the number of people who actually um, English isn't their first language as teachers even is quite large. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of Chinese staff um, either faculty or staff, um, who work at the school. Um, as far as the expatriates go, many of them, um, either speak Chinese because they've been in China a long time, or they speak something else. So we, I have colleagues who live, who, who've lived in Indonesia for a long time. So they speak Indonesian or who've lived in Japan for a long time. So they speak Japanese. And what's mm -hmm. interesting is that, those then national students from Indonesia or from Japan are kind of naturally drawn to those people who have those links to mm -hmm. their home country. And so it's it's really quite heartwarming to see that. Um, I speak enough Chinese to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I can if I'm walking down the hall, I understand roughly what's the context of what's being said. Um, and people appreciate that, you know, that you're you're trying to make an effort. Um <clears throat> But we do have a lot of different um, languages spoken throughout the day, um, and it's really it's really um, a comforting place for me because I just find that when people are operating in their native home language, mm -hmm. um, they're just really themselves. You know, they're most comfortable, and it just makes the place feel really cozy. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. where people feel they're not embarrassed or they're not ashamed of the language that's their 
most comfortable language. Um, they just, they, they, they kind of slip into it at break or at lunch or whatever. And it's embraced in the school. Mm -hmm. We, we don't, we would never, in fact, the people who founded our school while they're Westerners, they're mm -hmm. fluent in Chinese. You, you couldn't hear an accent of many of them. Their mm -hmm. Chinese is so great. Um, I'm so jealous, but I just, <laughs> my brain can take it because <laughs> it is, it's kind of tough, but yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, but, but we do, we, our first teach our teaching language is English. Mm -hmm. However, um, we also recognize that learning, le you know, learning a language is dynamic and it's fluid, mm -hmm. and especially for adolescents where they're yeah. building, they're constructing other things. Right. And so um, we understand there's no punitive um, behavior because someone spoke a certain language where I've been in other schools where students will be disciplined for mm -hmm. not speaking English or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just mm -hmm. a really comfortable place because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it must be really interesting to hear all the languages spoken on campus mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just hear about people's backgrounds and stories. Mm -hmm. So um, you told me that, um, so you you have a podcast, it's on uh, Teach yeah. Better Podcast Network yeah. uh, called Design Cast. And, mm -hmm. um, but you've also been on um, the Chinese podcast service as well. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about getting started with your podcast. Sure. Um, and then kind of what um your um I would say mo um motive theme of the podcast is. Okay. Thank you. Um, so before I was a teacher, uh, and went into education, my my bachelor's degree was actually in television radio. Um, mm -hmm. and so I did some college, you know, working on the radio in the radio station, and then I worked in a television station. Um and so the idea of the spoken of spoken language and, you mm -hmm. know, radio play and whatnot has always been a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I lived in China, when I was a, a young man, single, um, I mentioned they're always looking for uh, um, native speakers. And so um, my wife at the well, my friend at the time that turned into my wife um, helped me get onto the local radio station in China. Um, and so what they did was they had this hour long show where the taxi drivers tuned in to learn English sayings so that okay. when people got in the car, they could greet them with little funny idioms or whatever. And so <laughs> I had a, a co-host with me who had studied in Cyprus, which I thought was kind of crazy. He'd studied in Cyprus, but he, he was a Chinese guy who spoke excellent English. And so he and I bantered back and forth and, mm -hmm. um, we would we just did an hour a week where we it was I forget what it was called cross talk or taxi talk or something like that <laughs> and and we would we would each week we would have a new idiom um, mm -hmm. and we would or or something fun um you know an analogy or something and we would just discuss it um, mm -hmm. sometimes he came up with stuff sometimes I did and so um, and then what happened was universities called me and asked me to read their oral exams for them mm -hmm. so they could be on tape you know and so I did and it was freelance work right? Like I was paid mm -hmm. per job and things like that. But more importantly, it just gave me a chance to really interact in the local culture. Mm -hmm. um, and so fast forward to 2017, I've taught podcasting to my students, you know, I've taught voice and different things to my students. And so I felt it was really important for me at, the, at my age in teaching to begin mm -hmm. to give back. I was around my 20th year of teaching and I really wanted to start giving back 
to the community that had been so good to me. And so um, in many, many cases around the world, IB design teachers are kind of the only teacher of their subject in their school. And mm -hmm. so there wasn't, there's not a lot of collaboration and, and, and collegialism, right? And so what I did was I started by just going through and talking about just a normal day in my classroom or mm -hmm. just some the way I do this kind of assessment or whatever. And it just kind of kept growing. Uh, but then when COVID hit, it became a way for me to really stay connected um, mm -hmm. to people. And so the yeah. theme of my podcast is this connective um, design or STEAM or STEM educator network. Um, and so I try to have guests on who have some connection to that, but it's grown even bigger than that in the last mm -hmm. year or so. But during COVID, it was about finding people who I felt I admired or I wanted to talk to, and they were a captive audience because they weren't going anywhere. <laughs> Nobody was traveling. And so um, it was just a really great way to do that. And so now my podcast is, more, is, is kind of evolved into more of just a conversation with an interesting person who may or may not be an educator, but the, the things they have to share can easily translate into an organization or into a school or into mm -hmm. a classroom. Uh, and so the that's what, kind of where the background is. I've had some people on who were educators who now work for Adobe or people mm -hmm. who are also podcasters who um, do a lot with ed tech or things like that. So that's kind of where I <clears throat> have it's evolved to. Um, mm -hmm. I love doing it. I've just, uh, you know, I've slowed down <laughs> because uh, everybody's busy now, right? It's a little harder to come sometimes get these get these things. And as you know, the time zone's mm -hmm. a little a little funky to try to find mm -hmm. people, um, especially if I'm talking to someone in Europe. It means it's going to be either you know mid afternoon and morning for them, or it's going to be evening for me and afternoon. You know, there's always I have to think through. Uh, my world clock is always open <laughs> on my computer because <laughs> then I know where everybody is I'm talking to. But it's been great. I hope to get a chance to meet some of these people that I've had a chance to interview over the years that I feel close to. I feel like they're friends of mine now and colleagues, mm -hmm. and I would love to be able to go and 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 have a latte with them somewhere or something just to kind of uh, just thank them for their time and 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 for their their inspiration that they've that they've given to me. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what that was all about. And it's just been my creative outlet um, during a time that everybody struggled to find some purpose and meaning, I guess you could say. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So did you start it in 2017 and then you've kind of I, picked up interviewing a lot in 2020? Yeah. Yeah. That. so I started in 2017 and then I was releasing maybe one episode every six months or okay. something like it was not consistent at all. It was just when I had time and um, I went a year one time without doing one because I was just busy. And um, at the time, as um, you've been doing this a long time, too, so, you know, you remember the good old days where we had to do, you know, make all these you had to host uh, the, the all the all the all the art of, you know, all the evidence. Um, the tracks had to be hosted somewhere mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then you had to do all these other things. And so then, you know, great services have come along where it's kind of all in-house, which is great. Um, so it makes the independent podcaster, it makes it a lot easier for them now. Yeah. Um, even YouTube, right. It's got a whole podcast thing now. So, I mean, I think it's, um, it's much easier now, um, which is great because it just before in 2017, 2018, the technology hadn't caught up with what mm -hmm. our vision was. And so um, it just took me a long time to kind of get things together. Um, mm -hmm. But now it's much, it's much smoother <laughs> and easier yeah. to do. 
Thanks, AI. <laughs> <laughs> and so not only is your podcast on the Teach Better Podcast Network, mm-hmm. you're also on the Codebreaker Podcast Network. Yeah. And so you've done some um, Twitter chats for Codebreaker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have um, ideas for a book, perhaps? You were talking about maybe <laughs> um, eventually um, yeah. writing a book maybe for Codebreaker. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to talk to them more about that. Um, I get asked a lot, um, either mm-hmm. through connections on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever, to share my experience and expertise in starting innovation-type spaces, mm-hmm. okay. whether it's a makerspace or Steam Center or whatever. And so I've I'd looked at – I was in the process of writing – something been kind of picking it like my podcast right i was just kind of picking at it every time i had a moment i would just write a little something down um and then i thought you know what it might be easier if i create like an online course um, where people can go and access and interact with it a bit more um, where i can video myself talking about different aspects of things so i'm working on i think creating maybe more of like an online course where people can go and and interact and and kind of do some crowdsourcing and hive mind mm-hmm. kind of thing um, about it because I don't want to necessarily I'm not trying to capitalize from my knowledge I want to share it but I want to mm-hmm. share it appropriately to where it's it's my time is valuable just like your time is valuable and I want to make sure that um, I'm not looking for the compensation of that but I don't want to also have my time wasted by having to say sure. the same thing 500 times right so if I have a place where I can answer the common questions or talk about the common things, um, then I can work side by side with a group or a company or a school to say, let's take this to the next step because, you know, equipment comes and goes, but philosophy is what you need to think about when you're looking at how these innovation spaces work. And so I want to get into that kind of stuff. And so if I do, I was thinking of then taking what I learned through the online course and putting it into like a book mm-hmm, <laughs> kind of thing mm-hmm. where people could access it. If that's if that's how they prefer to consume content, you know, that yeah. might be a better way to do that. So yeah, that's to be seen in the next <laughs> few be years. Seen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Totally. And you do have speaking engagements. You said you usually yeah. do... Um, uh, IB trainings throughout mm-hmm. China. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually all over Asia. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I've gotten into Middle East and Europe a few times as well, mm-hmm. but um, travel has picked up um, since March in, in China. We're able mm-hmm. to kind of come and go without there being too much disruption to travel. The issue mm-hmm. is still the flights are still not available like they used to be, uh, but it's, it's the traffic is building up. It's slowly ramping up and I'm seeing a lot more air traffic, um, so I'm hoping to start getting out um, next school year a lot more, uh, mm-hmm. going back into schools. Um, I've been doing a lot of remote, con- uh, you know, consulting and remote speaking and mm-hmm. doing webinars and things. But I'm ready to get back because I, I like just being in the room with new mm-hmm. faces and new people and and just kind of jamming out. I think that's that's probably the most magical part of what I do. Uh, so I'm anxious to do that. <laughs> start doing that again (laughs) yeah yeah no it's uh something we started doing a lot after you know i would say the end of 21 right now you Mm, you mm. know finally they opened up china but (laughs) yeah finally opening up it's still like you you gotta wait a little bit till it's kind of a uh 
a regular thing that you're able to travel yeah. to schools and all that. Well, we've yeah. had a great conversation today about <laughs> your background, about yeah. your innovation and things mm -hmm. that you, um, you know, are doing to produce mm -hmm. content with your podcast, how you got mm -hmm. started with the radio talk and um, just how, you know, your outlook is on teaching um, out of everything we talked about. Tell me one thing uh, that you'd like listeners to remember. Sure. Wow. Um, I think, are you looking for words of wisdom or are you looking for just, uh, you know, whatever? But I, I think that um, if I, I talk to a lot of people who say to me, oh, man, I would love to work overseas mm -hmm. sometime or mm -hmm. I would love to work internationally. Um, it's not nearly as frightening and scary as you might think. Um, it's a lot easier to do than you might think. And mm -hmm. what's nice about it is you can do two years and then go home if you wanted to. Like you don't, you know, in, in many cases, they'll take um, some certain countries have age restrictions on visas for work, work reasons. Um, but there are countries that don't. Um, and so I think if you if you've got sort of the bug to try this thing out, um, I've made a career from it and I absolutely would not have it any other way. And it's non-negotiable that my kids are in international school at this point, uh, because I can't imagine what um, it would be like for them in a public school at this point, having had this kind of experience. And so mm -hmm. I think that um, if anyone's ever hesitant, don't be hesitant, <laughs> get out and try it. Um, we've just lived through a really traumatic time as a, as a people group. And I think it's time to, start living again. And so if you're interested, that's, uh, I would jump on it, man. It's, it's a great way to experience and see things and experience a new way of doing things. So that mm -hmm. would be my, my words of wisdom, I guess you could say. <laughs> well, if people are interested in hearing uh, about kind of how to get into international teaching um, or just want to connect with you about your podcast, yeah. where can they find you online? Um, I, I, it's probably best just to kind of hit me up that I have a, a link tree, but I also use something called zap bio, mm -hmm. um, Z A A P dot bio. And mm -hmm. then it's slash, um, D I S K O disco <laughs> with mm -hmm. a K in the number four and N O disco inferno. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, I'm sure that you could pop that in the show notes in case people didn't get that, but, um, or just tag me at design cast hashtag design cast on Twitter. I'll definitely see it. Mm -hmm. um, Great. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a pleasure having you on the Out of the Trenches Thank you podcast so much. today. <laughs> My book, Out of the Trenches Stories of Resilient Educators, has now been published. You can access it through Amazon. You can buy it at the Road to Awesome website, or you can get it through my website at danagoodier.com. Please re leave a review, and you can also access it on Kindle. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches PC.